Hello. Oh, I guess we're I, waiting on what? I said we're waiting on Catherine. Yes. Okay. What a week of readings. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. And I don't I don't mind the, the gay heart books. Hey. Yeah. Hi, I, I really like that book actually. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about the Gehart book, um, Catherine, and how we don't mind that because it goes into better detail, and it's it's a good refresher for me. <laughs> but my um, only complaint about the Gehart book is that it's huge; like it's yes, I would rather it be thick than so big. But other than that, I really like it. <laughs> right, it's it's nice to revisit all the theories, but. This but book, on, this the other book hand. on the other hand, yes. Why don't, why don't we get started on this book? Because <laughs> chapters four through six have confirmed that this book is nothing more than the ramblings of a, a excuse the improper use of the word, but a psychotic madman. <laughs> uh, it's it uses the most difficult language possible it is not meant for you to understand it i do not enjoy it and making any sort of meaning from what they're trying to tell me is nearly impossible mm-hmm. other than other than other than the fact that the stories we create are our reality and the mm-hmm. story they are telling is crazy at at best um, mm-hmm. and incomprehensible. Mm-hmm. So I guess I guess we'll break it down to to chapters. So um, chapter four is more of like deep, deep in the clouds theory, uh, like um, philosophy and just defining concepts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can get I can get behind defining concepts. It's a word with a definition, even though their definitions are, again, they use the biggest words possible and um, they use the other definitions to, to describe it. And I know there's a word that its meaning is like something that is best defined by itself. And I feel like that's what this this theory is. Like it can only be defined by itself. Mm-hmm. Which makes it that much more confusing. Mm-hmm. But I want to know what you guys think about. Uh, I guess, yeah, we'll do chapter four and let's talk about, you know, these different concepts and and what you what your thoughts are. I mean, I went back and read chapter four, reread chapter four to see if I could really make sense of it, and it really just is so, like you said, up in the clouds. Um that I'm struggling to tie it to anything real or concrete to make sense of it. Um, Like I can't the way, like I'm a pretty concrete thinker. Um, And the ways that I can make sense of theories is to connect them to something in the real world. And I just have struggled to do it. So I really, (laughs) I was really hoping that y'all might, help me because I, I don't even know where to begin. Um, yeah. And I, Chazia. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think at this point we are probably going to help each other understand whatever meaning emerges from reading these chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, because I went back, not only did I read chapter four, five, and six a couple of times, but I went back and I revisited chapters one, two, and three just to see if I could kind of, you know, pull, just pull this all together. But I'm still sort of struggling. Um, I, and, and the funny thing is, is that when I'm reading the chapters, I, I do have like a few aha moments here and there where I think like, oh, I think I get this. I think I get this. But then when I, 
when I move on to like the next page or the next couple of pages, I'm, I'm lost again. Cause it's just, there's just a lot of layers of information um, that I'm sure are very important, but I don't understand them. And looking to, towards the future, the only time I think um, all of this is going to come into play is when we write our paper, that theory of change paper, because mm-hmm. I kept thinking about that. I kept thinking about the future, like more, even more than me thinking about how I'm going to apply this in the therapy room. I thought about that paper that's coming up ahead next year. And I'm like, Hmm, I'm going to highlight this because I have a feeling this is going to come back next year. I'm going to, I'm going to remember, I'm going to want to remember this next year, but remembering this and comprehending this are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm there with comp- the comprehension part of it because very much like you, Catherine, I was looking for, you know, real life, real word, real world um, examples of how I can understand this. And they really didn't come up for me. So, mm-hmm. I yeah, think- I, it, I think it's like, I want to, I will, one, I will never forget this book. <laughs> that that would be that is already in the realm of impossibilities. Yes. <laughs> um, as for comprehending it, I would love to comprehend it on a different level. But at this point, I understand certain concepts, um, yes. and I think as I reread them, I start to understand the concepts better. But in terms of what that looks like, I I couldn't tell you. I mean, like, yes. I for example consensual domains it just seems like systems and subsystems i i i don't see how they they differ um but autopoiesis feedback non-purposeful drift openness closeness reality as a multiverse um structural determinism wholeness and self-reference i get all of that Mm -hmm. and and they do an okay job at at defining those um, I mean, again, it's it it's not to bash this book too much, but it, it's basically like two children creating their own language, and <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and then just trying to speak that language to me without giving me a Rosetta Stone. And I I really would love a Rosetta Stone, but <laughs> I have yet to find one. Right. Well, it's um, you know when you are reading and you come every other word is a word you don't know and you have to look it up in the dictionary Mm -hmm. the trouble is like we can't look up these words in the dictionary because the the definitions will be completely off and I guess that's what this chapter is trying to do it just didn't do it for me sufficiently actually ironically I think that that puts this book into so much perspective because the whole thing that they're trying to say in this book is that like everything is relative. And so looking up these definitions in a dictionary, which I tried to do, they provide definitions that don't, they're not correct in terms of like how they're using them. Mm -hmm. So basically the, the words they're using only make sense relative to what they're trying to say and what they're trying to describe. And basically, that's the lesson they're trying to give. At least that's that's what I was, that's what I got out of out of these chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess I guess we'll move a little bit into into chapter five. But um, this I did I did understand how you know stories the stories we tell create you know create our reality and. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys think about that section? Did did that, is that something that connected with you guys at all? Or, um, how do you feel about that? Yes. Um, yes, I, I agree. And I, I do agree with that statement that the stories that we tell create our reality. Um, and that did, I guess, resonate with me. I don't know why they needed so many pages 
to say basically that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the language that we use creates the re- our reality. Um, I think that's true. Yeah, I would agree as well, because, you know, words, they are so subjective and, and then the messages that we, you know, take from, from our, from the, the language that we use, regardless of whatever context we're in, you know, it really impacts uh, who we are, right? Um, say, for example, somebody who has gone through a lot of trauma, right? And if they continue that, you, you know, if they continue reliving it or rewording it or however they talk about it, right? That's going to become their perception, their reality. They're going to be defined by that mm-hmm. until one day they they might decide that, okay, this is not going to control me and I'm going to think about this differently, you know? And then, of course, then you, then you, um, you can use words like, you know, survival, empowerment, overcome, challenge. And then you start thinking along those lines of those words. So yes, and, and that's the kind of example that I used to teach myself that, okay, I, I you know, to teach myself this concept. Mm-hmm. Didn't succeed with, with some of these other concepts in this book, honestly. But, <laughs> yeah. but I wish I could c- come up with other, you know, examples to explain things like mm-hmm. that to me, but you know, but yeah, so I would agree with both of you um, in, in this regard. Yeah. And that's yeah. really the idea behind narrative therapy is that if we can change the language that we use um, to describe our reality, our reality changes and it. Um, yeah. And so if you, I love the, um, the example in narrative therapy of um, the kid who um, is a, having a hard time uh, getting to the bathroom in time um, and is feeling a lot of shame and the parents are feeling frustrated because the kid can't get to the bathroom. And uh, there's just a lot of shame and humiliation because the story that they're telling is this kid can't get to the bathroom in time and he has a problem. And, and then um, the therapist helps them think about like um, the, the poop as being sneaky um, and just sneaking up on the kid and help them <laughs> separate it from, from him. So it's not so humiliating and shameful and they call it sneaky poo. Um, and so whenever sneak, you know, how do you know when sneaky poo is coming um, and the lang- the change in language, just subtle changes, change the whole situation and helped the child um, to, mm-hmm. Um, to deal with that problem in, in more positive ways. So yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that idea that language and the stories we tell create our reality. But, um, but yeah, I, I wish yeah, that, I, oh, like Shazia, I, w- I really wish that the rest of the chapter and chapters were easier to understand. Go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, so I I like that because it gets at like two of the points that I did manage to understand about stories and reality. And that was that one, the stories we tell are the reality as we experience it. And then simply by telling the story, you reinforce that reality. So by telling a different story or by thinking of things in different stories in terms of different stories then we can start to change our lived reality um Mm. which i think is one of the few things in here that i will be able to take out and use in in therapy um i yeah and then i i did like i always appreciate it whenever they show either a chart or a picture 
because it makes this a little bit easier to understand. So I actually really liked the the little infinity like symbol with the um, event leads to meaning experienced, which leads to affect logical to meaning, which leads to action taken uh, logical to meaning and feeling, which leads back to an event. And then the cycle continues. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that because uh, maybe it's because I'm more of a visual learner. Um, but I, I usually don't have this much trouble grasping um, kind of abstract concepts. I, I love to explore, you know, very abstract fringe concepts in, in like... Um, psychology and philosophy and just the realm of theory but this this is just on a whole different level than anything I've experienced <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah chapter five really bits and pieces kind of sunk in but um, for the most part a lot of I feel like it could have been uh, simplified down to almost like two pages of, of content and the rest was either filler or I misunderstood it. Mm-hmm. I, I um, would say, sorry. Can no, I... no, carry on. Oh, I was saying, I wish they gave some, you know, I like the diagram, um, especially when they framed it, you know, um, that like they gave the example of like um, a, a religious experience being a stimulus event that you know we all ex- we 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 can um, take meaning out of. I like that, and they I like I like how they drew that circular diagram. But I wish they gave some more real life examples of that too, so that uh, like I don't know where else I I, I can't really apply it to other. Um, um, you know, situations that clearly, like I would understand it better if there were some more examples. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I, I really I, wish. Oh, sorry, Patrick. I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh no, that was just my comment. Okay. Um, I really wish because chapter six, it seems like they intend to be an example of all of this content. Um, yes. And I really wish instead of having one chapter as a one big example, they had interspersed smaller examples throughout mm-hmm. chapters four and five. I think that would have been helpful to me. I And, and yeah, and that's kind of like what I'm saying too. I, I agree with you there, Catherine. I wish that they had given, um, you, you know, a, a better examples throughout the chapter. I mean, I loved reading about Ms. Carol and Mr. Ted and their two children and, and at various stages of their life. But, like, how each stage and each set of changes or stories related to whatever they were talking about in the earlier chapters um, would have made better sense to me like it would have come together better Mm -hmm. yes yeah I I appreciated that they finally came out of the clouds to try and help us um, understand things but it seemed a lot it seemed almost like a chapter out of and I know Shazi you haven't had this class but out of our um our human development class and um, it, it was a lot of case study to, to do, like you said, in a row rather than maybe they should have done like intermittent, like sections of this case study throughout explaining the, um, the, the concepts that way they could point them out and, as I understood each concept, I'd be able to understand the next one because they, they're so intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then, and this did a lot of like, it was, 
I mean, it was straight case study, case study, case study. And then I think, what was it? Like the, something like the last two pages kind of brought it back to uh, mm-hmm. theory. And um, I, I did appreciate the break in in concepts and definitions. But um, yeah, basically what I'm trying to say is I, I agree. I wish they had done this in a, in a way that had broken this up so that I could... Uh, and I might have to go back and, and reread this and then the first three or four chapters to see if I can understand these definitions a little better. Yeah. I wish that, um, and maybe I just missed something, but it seemed like when they did bring the case study back to the, um, terms and definitions or back to the the theory um they really didn't incorporate a lot of the um lang- it didn't seem like they in- incorporated a lot of the language of the theory um unless i missed something no they didn't which they is didn't. another frustrating thing because they introduced all of these words and concepts and then they kind of went and gave a case study that they described in in terms that we've already learned in in uh, uh, systems theory versus their their own terms or maybe terms that are are widely known, but they're describing to me for the first time ever. Um, yeah, it, it just seemed like why why go through four chapters of trying to lay out this this theory and then to it seemed like there was a disconnect between chapters one through five and mm-hmm. then six. And um <laughs> I I'm curious to see how how things go forward in the book. Mm-hmm. Um because if they don't keep using these these words, these concepts that they've already introduced, then I think they're just going to stay that in my head, just mm-hmm. as concepts. So, I I kind of struggled with something else um, while while I read this book. Okay. Um, you know, this is the first time we've you know we've come across systems theory. We've you know we've spent. Um, all of last semester with Dr. Um, Templeton's um, family systems class on it, right? Now, the more, so when we first started learning about systems theory, it seemed, you know, it seemed like systems perspective, systems theory, it was, it was like the root, you know, it was the, at least it seemed like this to me, so please correct me if I'm wrong, that it was like the unifier of sorts, you know, like every other theory stemmed from this or this or other theories could be understood using the system's perspective and you know I try to do that I try to link other theories you know while I'm reading all this um using all these definitions but I I get lost in that do you am am I wrong in in my approach Patrick and Catherine or I I wouldn't say you're wrong but I, I think that um, systems theory is both a lens to look at other other theories and to mm-hmm. understand them, kind of like using a um, uh, oh, what is it called when you mix different models and an, an integrative approach. Yeah, so you can look at things from a systems perspective, but uh-huh. you can also uh, choose not to, or not choose not to, but if your if your program doesn't focus on that, uh, maybe for a licensed clinical psychologist program, um, then then you can use the the theories that way. But you can also use this as a lens to look at and improve upon those, because um, we do live in a in a world that's interconnected, and we do create realities. And I think it's important to have all of the options. It's it's like having a, you know, 
I don't know how to describe this. Like having, it, it gives you more tools in your belt as opposed to having fewer, which mm-hmm. I think is helpful. But then again, it's not just a lens. It is an approach. And some of these are very, um, are, aren't just looked at through systems theory. They're, like you said, they're a part of systems theory, like mm-hmm. Bronfenbrenner and um, um, like the family, the family mm-hmm. life stages. Um, like they, they would be almost impossible to remove from right. systems theory. So I think it's twofold. It's it's a lens and it's um, an integrative mm-hmm. approach. I would agree with that. Okay. But also, I I only know as much as I can understand, and <laughs> really, only God knows if, if I understood it the way they in, intended me to. Mm-hmm. I feel like right now with um, with systems theory, I just know just enough to be dangerous. Like, like I I know a little bit, but it my understanding is so incomplete. The I really liked last semester. We had the Akuma mm. book, and. That was probably one of my favorite readings because we started with reading three chapters from Beckvar, and that was our very first reading. And mm-hmm. I immediately was like, oh, goodness, how am I going to make it through this program? Uh, we're starting off running, not walking. And, um, and then toward a few weeks later, after we had done some other readings that weren't quite as difficult. Then we read the Akuna book. And I was like, oh my goodness, why didn't we start with this one? Everything was so clear. They used very concrete examples. I understood it on in one reading. I actually read the entire book cover to cover um, when I was out hunting. And I just sat there and within seven hours I had read the whole book and it was wonderful and it was like the lights had turned on and that's the only way I was able to write that Mm -hmm. paper for that class was that book yes yes I I want to go back and then and reread the Akuna book um Mm -hmm. because I think having even a little, like being a little bit further along in the program. Um, it It's so good. And then it will help me, I think, to contextualize things even better. But, ooh. That- yeah. Well, let's, let's, I guess let's go back to chapter four. And um, I want to see if you guys have any, are there any of these concepts that you didn't understand or want to go through? And, um, we can talk about here um i guess i mean other than is it autopoesis yeah that's the one that's uh like okay that just that one i couldn't make sense of everything else i could make sense of um like i i understand the sentences the concept <laughs> but um but tying it to something real and like thinking about how it would play out just in life and then in the therapy room that's kind of where I struggled I guess feedback and openness and closeness I get and the reality okay. is a multiverse that so- makes sense to me that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Um, that connects like on a whole different level for me because I, I it's very, um, you know, everyone's, everyone's experience is unique. And we kind of talked about this in, well, I, 
I don't know if we talked about that. I talked about it in, in our uh, diversity class on the very first day when we were creating the rules. And I said something about how um, everyone has their opinions and their views because of the experiences that they've lived and how those have factored into um, their belief systems and their values and, you know, what you've experienced and and not even just what you've experienced, but what you believe you've experienced is important in creating your reality. And I don't think anyone can take that from you. It's, um, you know, it, it's on us to try to understand each other's reality and connect mm-hmm. on that level. That way that we can have... Um, effective conversation um and rather than telling people that they're wrong trying to see why why or how they're 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 coming Mm -hmm. to those conclusions because um very rarely are people just i mean unless we're talking about like academic you know like hard sciences um there's very rarely a right and a wrong. There's usually just a, you know, how you've experienced something and how I've experienced something. And, and they're often different and they often um, lead to misunderstandings because it's hard for us to see reality through other people's reality because we haven't, we <laughs> haven't had those experiences that have affected us mm-hmm. in those ways. Yeah, I think um, the idea of the reality is a multiverse um, really connects with um, something else from chapter six. Um, Can I read a little bit? Um, In the section where they're um, kind of connecting the case study back, um, it says, in addition to normal developmental patterns, unexpected events also may challenge the family and necessitate necessitate appropriate action either to modify the structure or to maintain the status quo. For example, the death of a family member must be considered um, not only relative to the loss of that person, but also in terms of its effects on the relationships and the role um, structure in the family. Um, As pointed out by Bossard, an arithmetic increase or decrease in the number of members in a primary group is accompanied by a corresponding geometric increase or decrease in the number of relationships in that group. Um, the death or loss of one member in the family of five um, would therefore mean a reduction in the number of relationships from 10 to six. Um, and that really... Um, that section, that paragraph really struck me, I think because in my own family, um, we have, we're, I think, in a stage where we are um, losing and have lost um, recently. Um, well, all three of the grandparents that I knew in childhood um, have passed away in the last um, for years. And then, um, we're also adding new babies to our family too. So it's, um, a lot of loss and then also new additions and thinking about it in terms of, it's not just the loss of that person, but the loss of each surviving family members relationship with that person experience with that person and none of us have the same experiences. Like my relationship with my grandfather and the loss of my grandfather is so different than my dad's loss of his father. Um, Even though he's one person, it's he existed in a multiverse of experiences. Um, So I don't know if that makes any sense. I'm just trying to connect it. No, it, it absolutely does. And that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly what I think they were okay. trying to say. Okay. Is, 
yeah, it, it is everyone's everyone's re- it's the relationships that they're counting as, mm-hmm. as the numbers. And you know, each individual kind of when we talk about dyads and triangulation and how and how we count the the relationships mm-hmm. with each other rather than the number of people and how the the whole is greater than the sum mm-hmm. of its parts is is exactly what you were just saying and how you know you lost a grandfather your father lost a father and um while that one individual is gone it's so many relationships mm-hmm. that are gone with it with mm-hmm. him sorry yeah exactly um so i guess um for for chapter well do we want to continue talking does anyone have any anything else on on chapter six and the life cycle that they'd like to discuss no i was just when Catherine was giving the example of her um, grandparents and her parents i was just going through the chart i was looking at the stages of the family life cycle chart and you know um, so while Catherine's, um, father and, you know, is probably around, you know, the later stages that are mentioned in the chart dealing with the aging of the older generation. Here you are, Catherine, uh, earlier on in, mm-hmm. on the chart, you know, so with the new baby and, mm-hmm. you know, ma- making, making, um, room and then adjusting to the need of a new child you know it's just it's nice to see how we can how the same person can be on different levels of the you know the the chart and how a family system goes through different stages Mm -hmm. at a given time each stage means something different to, to someone else you know, to each person in the family system that, you know, like um, we saw, we read in chapter six and how we can see through our own personal experiences and, and, and growth through life. Mm-hmm. So if, if I understand you correctly, what, what I think I'm hearing you say is that like, it's hard to have things listed as stages when so often they're blended and, and yeah. there's not a concrete shift between Okay, we're we're at this step, and then we've we've changed completely to this step. Mm-hmm. There's there's periods of transition, and there's gray spaces that exist yeah. between them. Like right. I would looking at the chart, I was thinking like my my parents are probably in both stage eight and nine. Um, they're or they're experiencing the tasks of both eight and nine. Like they are, mm-hmm. um realigning their family to include spouses of children and grandchildren. Um, and they're also coping with the death of a parent, um, not spouse yet, but coping with the deaths of parents. Um, they're um, still, I think, um, or they're really enjoying from at least what I can see, they're really enjoying um, um experiencing their marriage just the as the two of them and in their home and that but they're also um supporting the middle generation like they're they're doing a lot of different things it's not quite as black and white and then when I look at the the lower the stages one and two I think a lot of people um are doing especially people who get married young are initiating their career and different differentiating from their family of origin as they are um, forming um, their marriage. It's not quite so black and white and they all interact. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that brings us to, you know, 
that's one of the things that is really cool about psychology in general is that it's it's kind of this um this beautiful intersection of uh sociology philosophy and um you know hard biological sciences and i think that's what makes this so difficult you know when we talk about models and common factors and um then then we try to talk about you know systems like how we can't view things as it's almost actually i just realized i i'm coming to the same conclusion that uh Bateson came to that it's the an ecology of the mind and it's you know we look at environmental systems but we have this disc uh, many people have this disconnect where they don't they don't connect that to we ourselves live in systems very much like uh you know environmental systems and ours are made up of the relationships that um that connect us the relationships that we experience on a daily basis and the levels of closeness that we have with those so inner you know um inner circle inner i can't i can't speak inner circle uh like outer circle and kind of like waves or, or ripples in a in a pond if mm-hmm. that makes any sense right it does it's, um something from, you know something from um chapter 6 that kind of ties into what um Patrick just said um it says here that a family needs um, a family needs members and hold on, sorry. a family needs continually to reorganize in the process of maintaining itself and must increase in complexity to allow for change without self-destruction. So I think that's probably the takeaway from this chapter <laughs> and from others um, in this book for me, because I think all of these all the, the way that the theory is presented, you know, how things ch- shift and change and um, how in order to be, quote unquote, successful, it requires some sort of modification of, you know, um, how families interact, their, their roles and their rules and things in order to um, maintain relationships and and balance that's that's pretty much what i what i took from mm-hmm. from this chapter or from all the reading really this time just to to simplify things <laughs> okay well yeah i i like how they kind of take a i something i do like i do enjoy bashing this book but i mm-hmm. i also enjoy how they take something that is um, non-living and and an abstract concept and they give it life. You know, the the systems want to, and we attribute these wants and needs to it, but it's not a living thing, but you know, how it wants to maintain um, uh, homeostasis or, or needs to and how it, it acts to um, be self-sustaining, you know, with, with feedback and um, autopoiesis and just the way that it, oh, what was the term? The structural determinism, just, just by the fact that it like, like it exists is, or, or like it, it does this because it exists and its structure is what makes it act in this way. And it's like, as, as the like little bits and pieces of these concepts, like kind of like percolate into my brain and I start to understand them. It does amaze me the level of complexity that they've, they've built this theory into, um, though it is wildly mm-hmm. difficult to, to comprehend. I'm really hoping that the, the last three, four chapters, you know, um, as we go through them, really help clarify 
whatever it is that we've just read. I'm really hoping that there, that you know, in the the whole in conclusion of this book makes more sense. And, and you know, I hope that we all sit there and have our own aha moments as we progress <laughs> through the reading. Otherwise, I would agree with what Patrick and and you were saying, Catherine. I think we're all gonna revisit the the Akuna book. Um, because I liked the way that the information mm -hmm. was presented mm -hmm. a lot, a lot yeah. more. Yeah, I always think it's worth noting with the Akuna book that she um, was an educator before she is a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I think that really comes through. Like, she's very go. good at clearly <laughs> explaining what she means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Do, do you remember the first chapter of the Akuna book? And not to keep bringing that book in and, and bash on Bekwar here, but but the point that I'm trying to make is that first chapter, first paragraph, it said something, um, the name of the game gives the rules of the game. It's called Letters and Patterns, it's not Words and Concepts. I think yes. I feel that way when I read this Bekwar book. I'm I'm... I'm picking up letters and, and patterns, <laughs> but I'm not picking up the words and concepts. So that's why I think I'm going to have to go back to the, to um, Ms. Smith Acuna's <laughs> book a little bit. Um, yes, to clarify that part. <laughs> well, but but another thing, not to keep. I know we keep saying this, but not to keep comparing <laughs> them to, to Acuna. But something that that. Um, that she did in that book was in each chapter she had a concept and then afterwards she used that concept in relation to a model of therapy i mean in that book yes. was our first introduction to narrative solutions focused um structural mm -hmm. and strategic and <laughs> i liked that one, I was excited to start seeing some of these models and, um, you know, kind of dipping our toes into the water after being so, so much in the clouds of, of theory, which can be fun. Um, but it kind of, it was the, the bridge that connected the clouds to the earth. And <laughs> it was like, oh my goodness, this is that's how this relates that's how i can use this information and i think that's important too it's important to know the theory but it's also important to know how to use the theory and or how the theory mm -hmm. relates to concrete things so mm -hmm. i i agree with both of you i hope the next chapters uh help us bridge that gap mm -hmm. because that would make this book mm -hmm. infinitely more useful. Yes. And hold on to it. I have a feeling we're all going to be tapping into this book when it comes time to write I our theory think so of change too. paper next year. So. Please. <laughs> I think so, too. Please, dear God. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here before we realize. When I saw it on the book list, I... I died a little inside. <laughs> like there's less of me living now than there was before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I I do appreciate that this is something that we as a cohort can come together and, and dislike. Collective <laughs> Yeah, it's really like, you know, we don't always agree on everything, but there is at least one thing we all agree on, and that's wonderful. You know, no matter age, gender, you know, background, we all agree that this is by far our least favorite reading that we have had to do in this program. I wonder if other cohorts feel the same way, like... Are there cohorts or that are split, or there um, cohorts that really like it? Like, does this um, is this reading just universally hated, or do other people have different thoughts about it? Because we're so united in hating it.
Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be yeah. a question for Dr. Mm-hmm. Benish. We'll have to ask him that. <laughs> I, I would be curious. Um, yeah, because I, I don't mind being in the clouds and like trying to, to really dig through philosophy and theory. Like I, I, to relate this to a different book, I have a really, a book that I really like called um, Countertransference and Couples Therapy. And it talks about how, you know, um, modern and postmodern and the, the, the different cl- like groups view countertransference either as helpful or as unhelpful. Um, and it took me so long to read that book because I had to keep trying to visualize these concepts that aren't things that can be talked about in a physical universe. And so I think that's where we're at with this book is it's going to take us a few readings, uh, many discussions to, to make, to, to talk these, these theories into reality for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, I think, yes. does anyone yes. have any, any final no. thoughts or? Nope. Okay. Well, then I, we will see each other next week yes. for uh, different books readings, I believe. <laughs> yes. Back to the um, Dr. Tatum's book. Um, I'm excited all the about that sitting in the cafeteria. Yes. yes. That yeah. would be wonderful. Right. So much has changed in our world just from our last podcast on on that book till now and you know i'm I'm looking forward to revisiting those chapters in that book with with everyone next week so um yeah i'm looking forward to reading more in that book and learning more and it's the other two books as opposed to this book it's it's hard to stop reading yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, okay i guess we'll, we'll end it here for now Sounds- and we will meet up next weekend absolutely have a good weekend all right